Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's Squiggly Career Podcast. I'm Helen Tupper, one of the co-founders of Amazing If, and I'm here as ever with Sarah Ellis, the other co-founder. Hello, everybody. And if you don't already know, if you're new to Amazing If and the Squiggly Career podcast, probably to tell you a little bit about us. Um, so Amazing If has been um, running as a business for about five years. It's our five-year anniversary this year. We're very proud. Um, we're going to have cake. Mission- I hope we're going to have cake. I hope we're going to have cake. Get get cake booked. <laughs> I'll have some kind of healthy cake. And, okay. could... and, I, w- and I won't. <laughs> um, so maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have a big birthday party, the birthday edition of the podcast. One to think on. But um, <laughs> our, our mission in all of those five years has been to um, help develop the skills so that people can succeed in what we call a squiggly career. And a squiggly career is something that we know a lot of people find quite challenging. Um, and a squiggly career is really what, what a lot of us are dealing with now. It's one that has got lots of change. Uh, we're often now moving from um, industry to industry, company to company. We're staying in jobs uh, for a shorter time than before. We're also just sort of doing lots of different job styles. There's freelance um, part-time you know lots of people are doing different things starting their own businesses and all of that makes up a squiggly career and squiggly careers are great because they've got loads of opportunity in them but they can also be a bit daunting if you've not got some of the skills to help you um, to succeed in them and that's what we're all about we're all about giving people practical help and advice to help you to succeed in a squiggly career so that's probably enough about us. Sarah, what, what is it that we're going to talk about in this week's um, episode? So this week we're going to talk about something called uh, imposter syndrome, um, which I think most people will be pretty familiar with. But essentially, it's the fear of being found out. Hmm. Um, and I was looking at some research today, actually, in preparation for uh, having our kind of conversation this evening. Um, and it, it shows that 70% of people at some point in their career will uh, experience imposter syndrome in some way, shape or form. And actually, there's a correlation in terms of almost ironically, I think, the more you progress in your career you know, the more senior you come, actually, the more likely you are to experience imposter syndrome. And I think that's because often you get into bigger jobs or bigger roles and people start to go, oh, can I, can I actually do this? And was it, am I as good as I thought I was? And some of the things that I think you hear a lot, you, you know, we, we've said certainly, and you think are things like, I don't deserve to be here. This is more by luck than by my skill. Um, I'm not as good as people say I am. You know, you don't give yourself credit for your own successes. You often actually associate your success with things that are outside of your control. And so I think at some point, most of us feel that sense of familiarity with going, 
or am I am I going to get found out? Is something going to happen that will just make me feel a bit like a fraud? Uh, is it yeah. something you experience? Because I, I guess people often listen to us, I suppose, we're doing a podcast on careers and think, well, maybe they're both pretty confident. This is not something that's relevant to, to Sarah and Helen. Yeah, do you know what? And I think there's a bit of almost like an Instagram effect to careers now where um, people might think you've got it all sorted because it's like you've got a certain job and it looks like you're really calm. But I actually think that stat, that 70% stat, that just goes to show that that's not always really true. And it doesn't mean people are um, they're hiding their failures. But I think what it does mean is that people aren't 100% confident all the time. Yeah. Fact, most, the, the majority, 70% of people are not confident all the time. They're, they've got these thoughts about, am I able to do this? What are people thinking about my capability? I'm going to get found out, all that stuff. Um, and so... Um, absolutely I suffer from it I'm not I'm de- the other 30% of people who don't have it at all I quite envy them I think for me there are definitely certain triggers and there have probably been points uh, in my career and also my life that have triggered that more you know like the, the, the first time I became a manager mm-hmm. um, coming back to work after maternity leave which I'll probably talk a little bit more about because I think that's quite um quite a significant one yeah um you know I've moved companies quite a lot and every time I've moved company I've had to, I've generally actually moved industry at the same time I've moved company. And that has also been a, a quite a big thing for me, a big trigger of oh, I'm in this role at the same level or a more senior level than I was in my last company. Yet I know far less than everybody yeah. around me. And so absolutely, I have had that in my career. And there's probably been times when as a result of that, I've not been quite as effective as I would have liked, because I think it's probably it's probably held me back in some ways. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the final point before we perhaps start sharing a bit about how it's impacted us, is why, why should you care about this? Why should you care about overcoming imposter syndrome and that fear of being found out? And I, I was reflecting on this and thinking, it's so important in, in squiggly careers and in our squiggly world that you're clear about the value that you add and the impact that you have in an organisation but just generally because we're all going to move around more in terms of roles and opportunities and different styles of of working as you said actually you've got to take all of that really great stuff with you and what you don't want to Mm. take with you is a continual sense of a fear of being found out because that will never be you doing your best work so that's what would worry me about if somebody's perpetually going or oh, that's what that's what's really concerning me. That's what's taking up my mental energy. Actually, then you're not giving yourself the freedom to be brilliant. Um, and this can be really all-consuming. I think for some people I've spoken to, people I've coached, where you know this real anxiety starts to be quite overwhelming. Yeah, and I think you just don't do certain things as a result. You know, yeah. if you're if you're scared of being found out. You know, that example I said about I've changed industries and I'm scared that people think I won't know enough. It means that you're probably not asking insightful questions you know I actually now I often ask questions that I think people must think I just really don't know what I'm doing but as in so I'll ask someone about what's the actual objective here or what are we trying to do and I think they are sometimes they're the simplest of questions but you have to be really confident to ask them yeah and because if you've got imposter syndrome those are the sorts of questions that you think oh I can't ask that because it's going to make me look like I don't know anything whereas I actually think sometimes those really simple questions if you're confident enough to ask them they're sometimes the most valuable questions to put into a room because yeah. a lot of the time and that and that is a value that you can add when you're new so you, you know you're carrying this assumption that I can't ask those questions like 
why are we all in here? Do we all need to be in this meeting? What's the point of it? You know, really basic questions because you think... <laughs> so if somebody I'm said gonna... that to me at the start, what, just what's the point of this? <laughs> I think I'd be like, uh, don't know, to have a chat. <laughs> like I said, like I said. But, but I, you know, I do. I sometimes do ask those questions, not in an aggressive way, but just, you know, what is it we're trying to achieve here? We've got now. But that's because, you know, I don't have that as an imposter. I have other things for my imposter syndrome, yeah. definitely, but that, that one's not. But I guess my, my point is that when you have these imposter syndromes, it, you don't do something as a result. You don't ask a question. You don't um, sort of sort of don't, you don't show your cards. You know, yeah. The first time you first time you've been a manager, you might not admit that because you're like, well, oh, I don't want anyone to know that. But as a result of that, you're not vulnerable, or you're not challenging, or you're not curious because you're stopping all of those behaviours to sort of present a bit of a front. You know, present the Instagram version of yourself. Yeah, and I think that point on questions, you've actually stolen my thunder a little bit there, oh, Helen, no. just, just to be clear. Um, that that probably, that is, I think, uh, one of my behaviours in terms of imposter syndrome, particularly when I'm with people who I think know different things to me. And I sometimes associate people knowing different things to me as being smarter than me and kind of going, well, because they're better at some things that I, I just know I'm not as good at, those people are smarter. And then if I'm sitting in a room with them, and I'll think, well, I don't really understand or I don't know the answer to this. I don't ask a question. And that's because I, mm-hmm. and, and I think what I'm doing there, well, I know what I'm doing there is protecting myself because I'll think, oh, they'll, they'll judge me. You know, they'll, they'll be sitting there and going, I can't believe she just asked that question. In, in her job, she should know the answer to that question. Or, oh, she was a bit, bit smarter. She'd know the answer to that question. And I, I was thinking about like why uh, that really impacts me. And I think it, it goes back to, I don't like not being right. I don't like not knowing the right answer. At school, I was the kid who I would only put my hand up if I knew I was right. And Mm. I hated putting my hand up if I was ever wrong. And so the idea of asking a question that might make you look a bit stupid or to... It shows vulnerability, doesn't it? Like showing vulnerability. Not, Not all the time. This is definitely in specific instances for me. That has taken quite a lot of practice because then obviously once I learned about growth mindset, which is all we ever talk about every single week, uh, if you are playing your growth mindset drinking game right now, please take a drink. Um, I think quite a lot of people listen to this at like eight o'clock in the morning. So maybe take a sip of latte. (laughs) Um, When you learn about growth mindset, you realise actually by me not asking those questions, that's a really fixed mindset attitude. They were often my moments in a week where I'd be really fixed mindset because I was protecting myself. I wasn't being curious. I was I was limiting my own potential and my own ability to learn. And as you said, some of those simple, straightforward questions, it's, that, it's a classic thing, isn't it? You always hear people say, if you've got the question, somebody else has probably got the question. But I always sit there and think, why isn't somebody else asking it then? <laughs> if someone else has also got it, why am I the one who has to ask it? But you realise that actually you'll say something and then actually someone else will say, oh, yeah, that would be useful to understand. And it just makes you feel that bit better or a bit more confident. And ultimately, I rationalise it with if I want to add as much impact as I possibly can in my role, be as valuable as possible in any job that I'm doing. If I don't understand something, then that's really important that I make sure I do because then I can do a better job. But also, if I think about the behaviours that I want to role model as a leader, I don't want people to sit in meetings and feel like they can't ask what they might consider to be a stupid question just because, you know, they think other people are smarter than them or because they want to try and protect themselves. Because that's just not how you learn, is it? So I, the, the way I force myself is thinking about what I sort of expect and, and want of other people. And I think you've got to role model that. So that's how I hold myself to account. <laughs> 
I think that's a nice, a really nice way of reframing it so that it's not about you anymore. Suddenly it's, this is not just about you holding yourself back. This is about actually potentially you holding yeah. other people back because suddenly, yeah, there's this role modeling thing of, of other people following your lead, particularly if you're a manager, actually, how are you helping them to grow and develop? Yeah, exactly. And then my second example of imposter syndrome, as I was thinking about this, is almost a retrospective example of where... I worked out that honestly, every time I go into a new role, I reflect back on the previous job and think, oh, I probably did that for like just enough time that no one ever found me out. <laughs> and I've not really thought about it that much before today um, when I was thinking about useful examples to, to share with everyone. And honestly, I think I have a bit of an attitude of sometimes thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing a new role now. Oh, that last one just just about worked out rather than thinking, oh, like I've been promoted or that was a really useful couple of years of experience. I almost breathe a slight sigh of relief, I think, and go, oh, I sort of made it through that through that role. <laughs> and that's a, that's actually something I'd not quite thought about that much until I'd, I'd started thinking about imposter syndrome. But it's almost this attitude of going, well, you know, I, it's, it's a survival thing, you know, the kind of fight or flight thing. It's like I survived it and it all seemed to go okay. And, you know, back to that thing of you don't like own your successes or take credit for your successes. Yeah. Usually, actually, I'm I'm pretty good at, demonstrating and being confident in saying you know these are my successes in a role so I'm, I'm because I'm quite achievement focused I can usually articulate to people I'm working for or, or with say oh in the past six months I've done xyz but almost in a less specific setting I actually almost diminish that success and give myself less credit for success in a role and just sort of went go oh yeah sort of I made my way through that and then you know on to the next thing before it's all falls apart and I don't it's, it's sort of slightly like disaster planning I don't, I don't quite know what I think will happen if I stay in that job for one more month <laughs> but it's just a, that is so funny. It's, a funny, it's a funny mentality that I think rather than like almost owning the positives from a job um, and the kind of overall positive experience because I'm quite forward-facing I kind of look on to the next thing and almost stop giving myself credit for the things I've done previously does, does that make any sense do you know what we've never we've never talked about that before no. and I have exactly the same thing it's really interesting really yeah, I have exactly the same thing. The um, that oh gosh, yeah, I just about I just about left that one, and they still thought I was okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. We should. That's a definite confidence gremlin for us to uh, to explore together a little bit more. <laughs> but I think it just goes to show, you know, we've worked in lots of different companies, and now, you know, I think we're at a relatively strong point in our careers, and we are still thinking that. You know, I will still think uh, when I leave my role, <gasps> I did it just in time before they still thought I was good. And it's that you're right. It's a complete wrong way of thinking, and yeah. I think this is all loads of. This stuff is just reframing um you know this imposter syndrome once you understand that the majority of people have it and that actually it's based on assumptions the way that you get around this is the first thing is that you're you know you're aware of it um and the second thing is that you, you kind of do something about it and I think reframing it and so in that situation you're thinking actually what are all the good stuff I've, that I've done that is really good and in how many jobs have I done that good stuff Actually, that must mean I'm quite good at that yeah, thing. Yeah, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern here. Something, yeah. And it's not necessarily a pattern of failure. It's a pattern of I've repeatedly achieved this in the different companies I've been in. And you can take, again, you can take some confidence from that and it, hopefully a bit of objectivity because I think some of this imposter syndrome is much more tied up in 
your perception of yourself, your fears, yeah, course, your worry yeah. than, than what other people think of you. And you mentioned before about uh, coming back to work after mat leave, um, yeah. and I guess relevant for anyone who decides to take a break of any type, because I think you see, I'm seeing more and more now people taking career breaks for lots of reasons, um, you know, to go travelling, to take some time out to care for somebody. So this is really about kind of returning to work after a break. Um, how did that kind of manifest itself for you then in terms of maybe having a bit of kind of a fear of being found out or imposter syndrome well I've had I've had the mat leave thing twice so the first time I was working <laughs> that, that is because you've got two kids Helen I've had two children yes <laughs> you're like it's happened <laughs> twice <laughs> I've had this mat leave thing that's the outcome has been two children yeah <laughs> so the first time I was at Virgin and I was working on um, a new business that Virgin was starting up as at the time and it was the context of that business was not something I'd experienced before a it was a startup it was kind of small it was a very um kind of tech business it was, an, it was about launching a new app and so I'm not sure I 100% knew what I was doing before I went on maternity leave but I had um, you know the period of time that I was off and I came back and the business had moved on quite a lot but everyone was looking for me because I hadn't actually been out for that long they hadn't replaced me with somebody else which even you know if they had replaced me with someone else that would have probably triggered a whole load of other imposter syndrome things yeah. but it, because they hadn't replaced me, it was almost like they saved things up for me with the expectation that I was going to come back and solve everything and get everything fixed. And I remember thinking, oh God, so so many thoughts, you know, can I can I do this job? Have I got, have I, you know, they, they all know this detail now far more than me. Um, when I first started that job, you know, I was part of the team that set that business up. So I was so close to everything. And I suddenly thought, you know, has, has my value depleted because I haven't got all the knowledge that I had? Also, I was putting some new boundaries around my time that I hadn't done before. You know, I needed to get home so I could go get my children and put them to bed. And that hadn't been the case. So I suddenly wasn't working till 7.30 and 8 o'clock in the office at night anymore. And I had to leave at 5 o'clock. And so Shock I, this, <laughs> I know, who knew, who knew? Um, I do now leave the office at 5 o'clock to get home for my children. Which, which, is, then, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a very important thing for me now anyway. But then that felt different. Mm. And my, my imposter syndrome was, oh, do they think I'm not as committed anymore? Yeah. And, you know, I had absolutely no evidence of all of that. Like it was, yeah. all, in, it was all internal. And my manager at the time, I remember him saying to me, Helen, I've never heard you say sorry as much. And, you know, sometimes uh, there's people that give you... It's really interesting and it's sometimes people that give you that quite blunt feedback when you know they're not he probably didn't even mean it as a significant piece of feedback for me but when he said it I thought oh you're apologizing you're right. yeah yeah I'm apologizing all the time because I feel like oh I've got to be this certain thing and I'm not I'm not that anymore and I feel like I have to apologize and like they didn't need my apology they thought I was doing an absolutely fine job they were glad I was back you know my role had been vacant for a number of months and this was all an internal thing and I think once I got that feedback I thought hang on a minute like take a step back what have you got to bring to this challenge just just go bring that don't obsess about what you don't know apply what you do know um and once I did that it was a lot better and then the, the second time I was on maternity leave I was able to take some confidence in the fact that I'd been in a situation where I probably didn't know all the details, but I'd relied on what I was good at and what I did know. And actually that had been really valuable. And I think with imposter syndrome, that's a really important thing. Almost like the more you challenge your imposter syndrome, the more confident you become in dealing with it. So you know, the fact that I might have an imposter syndrome about not knowing enough. And I talked about those, those sort of silly questions I ask, 
I've asked those questions enough now to know that they add value in a room more than me sitting there and pretending that I know what other people are talking about. And just the fact that I've done it a few times, no one's looked at me like I'm a complete idiot. They might be thinking it, but they've not looked at me like that. Um, And people have said, oh, that was a really good question. I've just challenged my own assumptions so many times now that I feel much more comfortable doing it. I think that's what you've got to do with your imposter syndrome. Think about what it is, how it's holding you back, and and poke and poke and poke it until it feels okay that you you can work with it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There are a couple of um, insights there, actually, I was thinking about as you were talking. One, somebody once said to me, actually, in in more of a work uh, kind of marketing context, when people are explaining something to you, be really clear about whether it's a fact or an opinion. And when Mm -hmm. you're thinking about your imposter syndrome and your kind of general confidence gremlins, just try and work out whether whether it's something that's your opinion or is it a fact. Have you got any actual evidence to back up what it is that you're saying that you think is true? Because if you think about what you just described there... There was no facts to prove that after you came back from your first maternity leave, you weren't doing a good job. It was all your opinion. In your opinion, you, you were worried about these things. And then actually, what what becomes more factual is that if you can get, either if you can reframe it for yourself, but also, I, I thought just listening to you talk about the second time you went back, the value of feedback, getting small bits of feedback to just help to, I guess, positively affirm that actually maybe the thing you thought was true isn't. Um, mm. so there's, there's almost the reframing that you can do yourself. And I don't think that's easy. I think it's easy to say, but I actually think it, it's really hard to do, but I wonder if it's often more powerful, if it can start with some sort of prompt from someone else, you know, can you, can you get some feedback? Can you, uh, you know, you don't even have to, you don't have to say, uh, oh, I've got this real fear of being found out in my job. And <laughs> um, I just wondered if you thought I was any good at it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'd kind of go that far. But what I would probably do is let's say you had, let's say I was in a meeting where I thought, oh, I'm in a meeting with people who are all smarter than me. And I did ask a few questions. I thought, all right, I'm going to make an effort to ask a few questions. Then asking somebody in that meeting to say, did you think those were useful questions? And, and you know, there is a small question, but actually 
hearing then somebody go, oh, I thought it really helped to move the conversation on or it really helped to make sure that we'd really explored how we were going to achieve this, just not just what we were going to do, but how we were going to do it. Just that kind of positive feedback loop, I think, can be just really helpful to then build up kind of a really good bank of these are the facts and I can do this and I shouldn't let this stuff hold me back. Absolutely. I was just thinking when you were talking there about um, maybe something practical that I've done really recently, I was trying to think what's a really recent imposter syndrome that I've had. And I'm um, organising this big thing at work at the moment. It's kind of like this event. Taking over your life, isn't it? A little bit. A little tiny bit. (laughs) Nearly over. over. In fact, it will be nearly over when this podcast goes live. But the, (laughs) and it's it's all good, but it's quite consuming. And I definitely have a, like a, when I was first working on it, it was sort of a little bit imposter syndrome, like, oh gosh, do I know enough about this? Do I know enough people? What if I drop a ball? All this kind of stuff. And it wasn't really, there's actually quite a lot to do and it's not really helpful, my mind being distracted in that way. I actually just need to get on and make this all work. And so I happened to read a really good article. I put this on our Instagram stories actually, but I think in the lovely way Instagram stories work, it's deleted. So I'll repeat it here. There is um, a blogger and uh, actually has a podcast, Tim Ferriss, and he talks about... Um, fear setting and I'd heard about goal setting but I'd not heard about fear setting and and the the concept of it is you almost write down what's the worst that can happen um, in this situation and get it down on paper and then you you write down well what would I do about this in this situation how would I mitigate it so let's say the worst thing I thought I could happen was that I hadn't included somebody and they got really irritated well okay, what would be my mitigation? I would apologise and I would have a ready-made set of information that I could send to them straight away so that once I'd realised I hadn't included them, you know, I was on the front foot with sorting it out. And actually, I really like that fear setting, like not ignoring it, not letting it consume your mind, just getting it down on a piece of paper. And and what triggered it is I have the notebook in front of me that has those things on it. And I was flicking through it this morning and I was like, oh, I feel like I've got over it now. It was just, it was a bit of a moment in time when that imposter syndrome was just bubbling up. And I just wrote down, what am I actually really bothered about in this situation? What is, what is this, the worst outcome here? And just tried to flip it into, okay, if it does materialize, what am I going to do? And, you know, it depends how your mind works, but I'm quite a practical person and just having done that and got it on paper got it out of my head and I felt like I had some solutions to deal with this and I think again if you're of a similar mindset like you like practical things you're like a to-do list you're like a tick list this is a really nice way of getting this imposter syndrome just out a little bit and just having some practical actions for it yeah it it almost sounds negative to go what's the worst that can happen but actually it's really helpful because you often realize that the worst is not that bad yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and it's something something that either if you've articulated it, sometimes you can be proactive. I think to mitigate it in the first place, or you can just respond and cope better if those things do happen. I think a few times where I've really been thrown, um, with in terms of kind of imposter syndrome, is when maybe something has happened that, like you say, I haven't been prepared for, and then it's really kind of triggered it quite dramatically. Uh, and then you, then you don't quite know, you don't know how to respond. And then, you know, you spend the whole like next month beating yourself up because you didn't <laughs> respond very well. It's like that thing of like, oh, I could have said something loads better or I could have, I could have like acted or responded in a, in a really different way. And you're sort of, you're beating yourself up about it. And if you meet, because I like overthink everything, I just keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it. Whereas actually if I'd have just thought beforehand, okay, if that thing happens, this is what I'll do. Even if I didn't do it in that moment, as you said, you then very quickly would have thought through. It's like kind of scenario planning, isn't it? I'd have thought you think through some kind of hypotheses and some scenarios. Um, it's almost all the shades of grey of kind of what can happen in these instances yeah, where in my, uh, you might be under pressure. 
in my corporate language I'd be calling it a playbook it's almost like your situational yeah, playbook yeah, yeah. but that but yeah it's just I think it's just so you you feel like you're in the front you're on the front foot and you've got it there if you it's sort of like a little confidence booster if the worst happens I know what I'm going to do so I don't need to obsess about it which is just you know it's yeah, that's distracting good. you from applying your best work really should we do some hints and tips for people? Yeah, so, 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 yeah, so aside from fear setting, so um, that one's... A, Which a I guess is a hint and tip in itself, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so it, we, we've given you an extra one there. Um, I think also this whole point around, um, you know, when I was talking about when I was at Virgin, it really helped me to think about what value I was adding. Being a mentor can really help you to understand what value you add to people. So if you're not confident enough to go here are five ways that I add value. Yeah. If you can't do if you can't do that now, um, you know, there are exercises that you can do where you can look at your strengths that we've talked about on previous podcasts. But one quite natural thing is just mentor people through the process of mentoring. You will realize based on how, what people come to you for um, what advice they come to you for when they're saying, oh, that's been really, really helpful. Thank you. Those those are the um, aspects in which you are adding value to somebody. And that, again, can give you confidence in these situations about what you what you can bring to them. Yeah, and I think almost um, in addition to that, so you can be a mentor, also finding people, more senior people, people in different contexts to you who maybe share your um, specific kind of imposter syndrome in terms of how you experience it and then talk about how they've overcome it because I think it's incredibly powerful. I've been to a few events, um, in certainly in, in earlier in my career, probably when I was about five or six years into my career, very senior women presenting and very um, transparently sharing the their vulnerabilities, their imposter syndrome, you know, their fear of being found out and actually just hearing people at that level. So people who are chief executives, directors, you know, in very, in very busy, dynamic jobs who on paper can just, you know, look absolutely incredible. And, you know, there's always that, uh, I find that analogy quite interesting. You know, the one with like the swan, you know, people look like they're sort of gliding effortlessly through yeah. this like amazing job. And then when they reveal kind of often how they're feeling or, you know, the kind of sense of agitation they have, you know, it's like everyone, they're paddling like super fast underneath the water. I just found it really powerful to hear people talking in those kind of roles in a very open and honest way. And it made me realise, okay, well, when I experience it in whichever way I do, A, it's natural, it's understandable. And what you hear people talk about is you work on it. This is this is not something that you just overcome overnight. You it's a constant, I don't want to use the word battle because that sounds like too too hardcore. But I think it's just that, it goes back to it, you are a constant work in progress. And whatever you will always have these moments of thinking, oh, bit of a fear of found out or, you know, that thing about, should I really be in this job? And that's, that's, that's natural. You don't beat yourself up about that. What you do is just make sure that it doesn't get in your way. That's, I think that's the really critical thing. And what, what other tips? So meant to be a mentor is kind of as one. Um, yeah. What else? Um, well, I read I read something really interesting about uh, working out what type of imposter syndrome you you experience, um, and will I say we maybe you you because you usually sort these things out. <laughs> if Thanks, I ask Sarah. you on the podcast, that means you like, have to do it. Um, I, am I haven't quite said yes yet. Oh, okay. So oh, just just a link. Um, so there's, <laughs> just a link. yeah, there's a link um, to a really good article I found on Fast Company. I like Fast Company for. Um, like various different articles on, on lots of different topics, but particularly I think they're good on like leadership and ideas. Um, and the article talks about there are five different types of imposter syndrome and often you fit into a particular category, perhaps maybe slightly more than others. So there's like one that's called, I think, like the perfectionist, you know, people who 
have set such a high bar for themselves. They just don't ever want to kind of make mistakes. Um, yeah. They talked about one where it's like superwoman, superman type type one. Uh, one about experts. Um, Which one were you? I was actually a mixture of one or two of them. Um, there wasn't one where I just thought, oh, I'm I'm only that one. But they, in as part of the article, it asks you really good questions to say, does this apply to you? Ask yourself these questions. So, for example, on the one about being a perfectionist, it says, have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have difficulty delegating? Um, if you miss the mark on something, do you accuse yourself of not being able to cut it? And do you feel like your work has to be 100% perfect? Now, being perfectly frank, I don't, I don't fit into that category. <laughs> because yeah. I am so far away <laughs> from a perfectionist that is untrue um so that's not really my issue but I did find that I, I've worked with people and coach people where I can imagine them going actually yes they would have had feedback around being you know micromanaging they really they would much rather control and have everything for themselves so perhaps their imposter syndrome is around perfectionism some of the other ones are more applicable to me but I remember reading that one and being like I think I probably could do with a bit more of that some of the time <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I'm gonna do that afterwards yeah yeah you should have a look um so that would be I suppose just uh it's not kind of a hint or a tip in in, in a kind of specific way but it does it is would be quite a useful uh th- action I think to take is have a look at that and just work out what type of imposter syndrome do I have try and be more specific than just oh fear of being found out or not being smart enough try and work out I suppose it's the root cause of like why you know that ask yourself why five times so yeah. Why do I fear being found out? Uh, why do I fear people not thinking I'm smart smart enough? What is it that's really driving this kind of insecurity? I guess for a lot of people. And maybe uh, maybe a last a last tip as well. I think we, again we've talked about the value thing, but writing yourself a personal impact statement. Yeah. So this is you actually getting clear on a statement that partly you're happy to say to yourself, but ideally you're happy to say to say to other people about the yeah. value that you add is so so powerful it definitely starts with writing it down on paper so it feels authentic to you and then just saying it to yourself so you kind of hold it a bit like a bit of a mantra um about you know the value that I add to this situation is you know I can say confidently that I'm really good at bringing people together creating a vision and and motivating them to achieve it I can say that really confidently I can also say some of the things that I'm not very good at but that's something that I know is true to myself and I'd be happy you know I've just said it to 20 or thousand people on a podcast yeah so, uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy to say that so I really hope they that, all like hold you to it I hope they all come into yeah, contact can... with you at some point and be like I'd just <laughs> like you to uh, show you that you can do this please just to uh, create a vision and motivate yeah. us all to achieve it right now right now in the next five minutes <laughs> on the spot but but in all seriousness like write something down that feels like you and then just say it to yourself a little bit because it's really useful in those situations, like in a new job when I'm going, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do here. I've never done in this situation. I can say, do you know what? I can bring people together. I can get a vision. I can motivate them to do it. That's 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 got some value in of itself, despite the fact that I've no idea what all these acronyms mean and I don't know who's who. Yeah. So once you know write it down for yourself and then start saying it to other people and that's really powerful then because other people can you know share that for you and again that goes on to you know strengths and building your brand which we've talked about in other other podcast episodes yeah and I think if you've not listened to um some of the ones around strengths the thing that's linked to the personal impact statement that I was going to suggest um is if you write down at the end of every day for seven days in a row one success you've had that day that just also helps with the kind of mindset and mentality of recognizing um the value that you're adding you know being clear about kind of the positive impact you're having day to day to day 
because I think often people are really good at talking about very big projects or big moments in time where something has worked really well but we forget all the in-between stuff and Mm. as part of I think feeling like you're not going to get continually found out if every day you think well you know not everything's perfect but I know that today I did this really well then that just kind of builds you up a bank of successes and confidence and just helps you to remember I think those things when maybe you are under pressure or, or some of these things don't quite go to plan. So some resources then. We've mentioned a few. So I feel like we've, we've kind of talked about Tim Ferriss. We talked about the imposter syndrome thing on Fast Company, which I will tweet and link for everybody. <laughs> I, I will do that. There you go. I might just committed. start doing this, you know, with like um, everything that we need to do for Amazing If. If I just like mention on the podcast that you're going to do it, then I could just give you, that. give you my to-do list. Um, <laughs> one other thing I did find that um, maybe as you're tweeting, you could include. Uh, there's a good nine question quiz that New York Magazine did, um, they have like a section called like the science of us. Um, and it, it's actually a do you, do you suffer from an imposter syndrome um, and take a test. Now I love like a, it is like a magazine test to be clear. So this is not sort of an incredible psychology thing that takes ages. It's it's nine questions. <laughs> but you know, it, it helps you again to just, I think, start to be a bit more forensic about where is it I need to improve. So some of the questions around things like, I'm worried people might not think I'm as capable as as I as they think I am. It's hard for me to accept compliments. Uh, I feel my success has been more due to luck than you know my my skills. So I think it is interesting to see which of the questions do you score really highly, and which do you say, oh, actually no, that one's not me. So that's not not kind of challenge I have because, like all of these things, they're they're personal and unique to you. You have your own set of challenges to overcome, and they're they're different to different people. So that's the other thing I found that I thought might be useful for people. And the only other thing probably worth mentioning is the the very start of our um, series of podcasts was actually all on confidence. Oh, yeah, that's, that's confidence. true. We should probably mention that we did 10 <laughs> apart series. <laughs> we did, yeah, 10 part series. And there's some like mini ones as top tips that are all on specific um, things that might trigger your imposter syndrome. So I think there's one on uh, you're too young. I think there's one on you don't know enough. Senior there's, people. There's 10 senior people so all of these could be the specific um elements of what your what your imposter syndrome is so it's worth looking back at our original episodes just to see if any of those if, if this is sparked a kind of accord with you and you're like oh gosh yeah this is something i struggle with maybe you want something else that is a good resource as well kind of another 20 minute or so podcast to listen to so that's it for this week on imposter syndrome um i hope you found that useful and interesting uh, and i hope it helps you I, I can't think of a way of saying being less of an imposter <laughs> Being, yeah, that sounds really being, bad, doesn't being it? Being more real, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, not letting your kind of confidence and imposter syndrome hold you back at work. There you go. That, that's what I was going to say next. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to do um, a slightly different podcast next week. Um, we we really, we find it really interesting to know um, the different topics and areas that listeners would find it useful for us to discuss. Um, and some of the previous episodes have come from requests or suggestions. And what we thought we would do next week is curate loads of questions on your career conundrums and have a go at answering them during the podcast so a bit basically like an agony ant style uh, column that you get in kind of magazines but all about careers so if you have a question you want us to discuss a problem a challenge something you'd just like to hear us talk about uh, you want to put us on the spot I say slightly less on the spot because we'll we'll know beforehand but you know as close <laughs> as you can get to putting us on the spot um please do submit your ideas on instagram on twitter you can email us at get in touch at amazingif.com uh, messages on linkedin whichever kind of works for you but just let us know what your career conundrum is um that you'd like us to discuss 
and we'll try and get through as many as we can. Um, if we get, if we're overwhelmed because this is such a great idea that everyone, everyone submits millions of ideas. Uh, we don't laugh like we'll that. Part two. Um, if we have two, we'll just take a long time on both of those. They can have ten minutes each. If we have uh, none, we'll make some up. Um, but please, yeah, please do let us know because we always find it really interesting. We hope that that if you've got a career conundrum, a bit like we were saying earlier, the likelihood is somebody else has got it as well. So let us know over the next week. Uh, please do keep following us on Instagram. Keep giving us your feedback. We uh, really appreciate it. Um, and we look forward to getting your career conundrums through. I think that's it. Um, thank you so much again for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 